1: Welcome to this Sunday edition of Heritage Bible Radio. This week we opened chapter 4 of the book of Mark, which marked a turning point in the ministry of Jesus. Before we start getting into the parables of Jesus taught in Mark and explaining what they mean, it's important to understand the shift that Jesus made here and why. He started to teach the crowds in parables, no longer with the kind of straightforward teaching like we saw in the Sermon on the Mount. Parables are stories that are cast alongside the teaching point being made, sort of like a riddle. And Jesus explained to his disciples why he started teaching in this way. In this last segment of the message, Pastor Jim will make sure we understand Exactly what a parable is, and exactly why Jesus started at this particular point in his ministry to start teaching with them. Here is the last segment of the sermon entitled The Kingdom of Heaven Today.
0: Matthew includes a few more details in his version of it Matthew 13 10 and 11. And the disciples came and said to him, Why do you speak to them in parables. And notice they, they, they put a them in there. It's like, okay, well, you've just suddenly changed how you talk to all those people. Jesus answered them, to you it has been granted to know the mysteries of the kingdom of heaven, but to them it has not been granted. So he's doing this to reveal mysteries. Now, what does that mean? When well, the Bible... A mystery is something that was not formerly revealed by God, but now it has been made known. It doesn't mean it's eerie. It doesn't mean it's spooky. It's not a whodunit mystery, not that kind of a thing, but it's something God has not revealed and now He has revealed. That's called a mystery. So Jesus is saying that the reason for the parables is to explain something which cannot be fully known from the Old Testament. This has to come from the lips of the king. Now we're going to look at those verses in more detail in conjunction with the first parable. But for now, let it suffice to say that from this day on, that's why I called it a turning point, from that day on in his ministry until the end of his time in Galilee, Until the end of that period, which was the bulk of his public appearances, we call it the great Galilean ministry. From this turning point on, Jesus no more taught the crowds in a straightforward way like he had always done. Like in the Sermon on the Mount. All his public teaching was in parables during the rest of his time in Galilee. Only when he was alone with his disciples did he teach and explain in a straightforward way as before. So these parables of Jesus revealed new things to the ones who believed to help them understand the kingdom of God in light of the fresh rejection of the king by the nation of Israel as a whole. But they were also designed to make it harder for those who refuse to believe, to understand, or refuse to believe and to understand what He was talking about, a, a parable not explained is more like a riddle. So he was in, a set, in essence, shunning the ones who weren't believing. Here's a theme you can find in your Bible as well. When people turn their backs on God, God stops giving them information. And that's part of what's going on with the parables. All right, seven facets. Of the kingdom diamond. You know your whole Bible now, from Genesis through Revelation. Number two, why Jesus used parables to reveal mysteries about the kingdom. What is a parable? What what parables are we need to understand? Before we jump into that great first parable, which is a paradigm for all of them, let me plant in your mind what a word what a parable is. First, a, a technical definition. This comes directly from the Greek. It's one of those things that you can go home and say, I know a Greek word now. Here's another one. parable Comes into English as parable. Comes from the prefix, which is actually a preposition para alongside. And the verb balo, which means to throw or cast or put. So a a parable is a casting alongside. It's a teaching device in which you take something known and you put it alongside something unknown that you are trying to explain. So by comparison and contrast, you explain something unknown by comparing it to something known. My dad was big into electronics, an electronics technician. And When he was teaching me, I was very young, a little bit about uh, electricity, like don't touch these two things at once. I, you know, I had to learn that one the hard way more than once. Uh, but he explained to me, uh, he, he, he was a good teacher in parables. He, he said electricity flows kind of like water. Water wants to flow to the lowest point. Electricity, the, the current wants to flow in, in one direction. And uh, like you can put a dam on a river, you can put a resistor along there to slow down the flow of things. You can, you can stop the flow completely and, and build up all this water behind here and, and, and have it dry on the other side. That's like a capacitor. And he, showed, he explained those things in parables. My uh, eighth grade science teacher was a, a gym. He, he may have been almost as good as Dirk. He was a good one. Um, he used parables. I have no idea if this guy was a Christian. I certainly wasn't back in those days. But he used parables to help junior high kids understand concepts. And we got to a point where he was teaching us how the engine in your car works. And he explained the internal combustion engine by putting its components and its functions on alongside things that we could understand." Now he said, "...your car's engine runs on a repetitive cycle of four strokes by each piston in each cylinder. They are called intake, compression, power, and exhaust strokes." And now to the junior highers, that just went right straight over our heads. That's correct, but that's not how you teach it to a junior high boy. He won't get it unless he already knows it. So. He put it in a parable form. He said this. You know what a tube is? And I think he held up either a piece of PVC pipe or an empty roller from uh, paper towels or something. You know what a tube is? And he says, and you know what a plunger is? And he whips out a plunger. And he says, now, a cylinder in your car's engine is like a tube with a plunger in it. We could see that. He says, the plunger inside the tube comes down and it sucks in a mixture of air and gasoline. Then it comes back up and the valve at the top closes and it squeezes that mixture really tightly. Then the gas mixture is ignited and it explodes. Oh, now you got the junior high boys in your, eating out of your hand. He says that sends the plunger down again and then the momentum brings it back up to the top where the, where the valve is open again and it pushes the fumes out from the explosion and gets ready to do it all again. He put it all into a parable. You see, the tube is like the plunger. The plunger is like the piston. The sucking is like the intake stroke. The squeezing is the compression stroke. The explosion produces the power stroke. That pushes out the fumes. That's the exhaust stroke. And you know what? I've known ever since the eighth grade, basically, how an internal combustion engine works. So they put all that stuff on now, and I open my hood and say, how do I get to the dealer? Um, They've made it complicated. That's the parable of internal combustion engine. Now, in my class, we knew we were going to have a test on that. So my friend and I got together, and we memorized the series of, of strokes. And my friend came up with one of those mnemonic devices, and I love mnemonic devices to help me memorize things. And uh, remember, we were junior high boys. Intake, compression, power, exhaust. My friend came up with something no junior high boy would ever forget. Suck. Squeeze. Pow! Phooey. That's how your engine runs. It just does it really fast and really efficiently. Now that's a parable. In the New Testament, a parable is a story or a word picture drawn from nature or from everyday life. You know what a tube is. You know what a plunger is. You know what an explosion is. You know what it means to air out your house if you get a bad thing inside. Well, now you're ready for Mark 4. Take things you know, put them alongside things you need to teach about the kingdom of God. Do you realize that you belong to a kingdom? But that kingdom is not part of the world at this time. You are part of this eternal conflict that is still being played out. Do you realize that you have been drafted to serve serve in this conflict? Peter said, I'm writing to you who reside as aliens who are chosen. God made you part of His kingdom. Do you realize that serving in this armed conflict is not easy? The people who take the gospel and pervert it into something that will make things easy for you, that that really is a, a perversion. Do you know your role in the kingdom of God? If you're not quite sure, come next time and you will see the details of exactly what God wants us to do in the kingdom of heaven today. Heavenly Father, have your way with us, we pray. Teach us through your word what you want us to, de- to be doing as citizens of The kingdom of heaven in a in a yet fallen world whatever is standing in the way of anyone here serving the purposes of your kingdom sweep it away we pray please don't let a soul leave this place without the certainty of forgiveness and eternal life with you